How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Hello, it's David Locke, and this is the last and final piece of the Locked On Podcast Network Mock Draft. Thank you very much for tuning in. You've set all sorts of records across the network with the amount of listeners. I want to thank all the Lockdown Podcast Network hosts and specifically Lockdown Pelicans host Jake Madison, who's done an enormous amount of work to make this work and was really the one who pushed this forward. So thank you very much to at Nola Jake on Twitter. Today's show is our last and final one. Reddit AMA also for you at 2 o'clock Eastern. And reminder, Jonathan Giovanni. Chad Ford and Mike Schultz, excuse me, Mike Schmitz. It's getting getting to be a lot of these. Mike Schmitz uh, podcasts are available for you. Mike, uh, the breakdown of all the players Mike gave us. We'll dig in a little bit to second round as well. So 25 through 30 is upcoming, plus the second round here on the Lockdown Podcast Network mock draft number five. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to the last and final day of the Locked On Podcast Network mock draft. Scheduled today, pick number 25, the Orlando Magic. 26 on the board right now are the Portland Trailblazers. 27, the Brooklyn Nets. 28, the LA Lakers. 29, the Spurs, and 30 at the Utah Jazz to finish up the series. Plus, we'll look at some of the players that slipped out of our first round and get the breakdowns. Mike Schmitz is back with us for his breakdown. And to review where we stand right now, Tony Bradley was the last pick by the Jazz. Much maligned pick by Mike Schmitz and Josh Lloyd. Prior to that, just, Justin Patton went semi-Ogelay, Harry Giles, Jared Allen, and... Luke Kennard, Juwan Evans, Terrace Ferguson, Zach Collins, Justin Jackson, and TJ Leaf. And then the projected top 12 in a little bit different order was exactly what we expect. So who will be the last names called here for the final six picks of the first round? This whole series has been brought to you by SeatGeek. We are so appreciative of what SeatGeek uh, has done supporting the Locked On Podcast Network and their support of everything we have done. And could you please go right now and download the SeatGeek app? You will find it to be the easiest and best way to get tickets. They compile all the tickets from all the other people around town and have it there for you one spot. I remember the old days I had a ticket guy and I'd go to the ticket, go to stop by. You like had a little place inside a hotel where I'd stop by and, and that was my ticket guy. But you had to kind of just believe he gave you the best prices. And you had to believe that he was actually being true about the market value. Now you have SeatGeek. It's so much better. They bring all of the sources together in one place. Then they give every ticket a ticket score so you can judge where in the arena, what the prices are, whether this is the best spot for you, is it in your price range. You can even set a little price range on it for you if you want to on the app so that you are inside your price range. Whether it's a sporting event, a concert, theater event, we're Our daughter's obsessed with Hamilton. We're searching for a price on a ticket somewhere across the country that might be reasonable so she can get to go see it. 
That's uh, And we're using SeatGeek to do that. Download the SeatGeek app. Use the promo code LOCKED, and they'll send you a $20 rebate on your first purchase. Special thanks to SeatGeek for sponsoring the Locked On Podcast Network Mock Draft. And let's start it off. Philip Rosman Reich is the host of Locked on Magic, does a fabulous job. He's already picked up Dennis Smith with the sixth pick of the draft. What will he do with pick number 25? Hello once again. This is Philip Rosman Reich of Locked on Magic back here for the 25th pick in the Locked on NBA mock draft. You can go back and listen to uh, the first, I guess, segment of this Locked On mock draft uh, for some of the information I'm about to give you here uh, since the Magic took the sixth pick. Just as a reminder, with the sixth pick in the draft, uh, I selected Dennis Smith Jr. of NC State. And so that leaves the Magic in an interesting spot at 25. Um, as I noted in the first broadcast, the Magic just need to really add talent. They, they need an influx of talent. They need added depth. They, they need a lot of different things. But I think at 25, the Magic are looking for something very different than they were at six. At six, the Magic needed a star. They needed a central figure and player to uh, to, to really kind of be the, the galvanizing force of this rebuild. The Magic will have three additional picks in this draft at 25, 33, and 35. And so at 25, I, I certainly, I, and certainly with all three of these picks, I think the Magic need to be looking for contributors, more immediate contributors. It's, it's very likely the Magic will use one of these picks to, to draft maybe a, a European player that they can keep overseas uh, and 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 watch him develop because it's it's kind of hard to imagine a team uh, bringing in four rookies, especially a team that that still has at least quiet playoff aspirations. They may not be quite the playoffs or bust that they were last year, but the Magic I think still want to make the playoffs within the next year or two. I don't think the team is expecting to go through a full rebuild, and with some of the young veterans they have like Evan Fournier, Nikola Vucevic, Terrence Ross, the Magic certainly believe that they can pick up some ground fairly quickly, That the, at least that they were better than their 29-win season last year. The statistics maybe don't support that, but everyone's 0-0 right now. What's the harm in believing? So with this pick, I think the Magic need to find contributors, someone who can step in and play a role, probably off the bench, immediately. And at this pick at 25, with the Magic having taken a point guard already in this draft, there are fewer and fewer options. I, I was looking at this pick and thinking I would love to take a wing, but I didn't see many great wing options. Uh, I see a lot of center options, which if you know the Magic, they don't have. They already are pretty set at center with Nikola Vucevic and uh, uh, Bismack Biombo. There are certainly some some kind of got four, traditional fours rather than stretch fours. There are a few stretch fours that I'm interested that I'm interested in, but I don't think have sort of the 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 heft or, or the the weight that I would want to give the you know three year contract that you would give to a first round pick. So I don't think so. So this draft having played out the way it is, there's some players that I expected to be here that have been picked already. There are some point guards that I really like, but I've already picked a point guard. There are some wings that I kind of like, but I'm not willing to spend a first round pick on them. Uh, and there's some some foreign players that I, I'm interested in that don't quite fit the bill yet. Actually, the guy that I really, really liked and was thinking about taking with this first pick, Rodion's Kuruks, uh, withdrew his name from the draft before I picked and before I started recording this. So he's off the table. So there are some issues here. If there's a dream scenario, perhaps it is that the Magic could find a way to package this pick along with a couple other picks 
uh, and move up in the draft to try and get a guy like a like a semi Ojulai who was who was picked earlier in this mock draft or or to get uh, some some of the some of the the bigger wings. Uh, that might be picked just beforehand, or, or even some of the better stretch fours, like a TJ Leaf, perhaps. There were a few trade possibilities with this pick. I did explore a couple of trade opportunities, uh, and it just never coalesced. Nothing ever coalesced, and you know, some of it I think is the salary that the Magic have have available to them, uh, and some of it was you know maybe my own ambition to to kind of think big to to make a big splash. Generally, I. I am fine taking who I've taken at 25. It is a little bit of a risk, uh, but one that I'm willing to take. And so with the 25th pick in the Locked On NBA mock draft, the Orlando Magic select DJ Wilson of Michigan. He's kind of a, a, a little bit of a big swing, in my opinion, because he's got a lot of great length and athleticism. He can play the three a little bit, can probably grow into becoming a stretch four. He's already a fantastic defender, and I think that is where I was really focused on. Find a guy who can play a role. Find a guy who I who I am certain will be able to make meaningful contributions off the bench to my team next year. And I think that's DJ Wilson. He's a redshirt sophomore. He actually played a little bit of his redshirt freshman year, and he had a big breakout last year scoring-wise. I'm not expecting him to be a big scorer, but I'm encouraged by the fact that his three-point shot is improving, that he has the athleticism to finish at the rim if you you use him in cuts and and in screen and rolls, and he's He's already got that defensive ability to him, and I think that's something the Magic are definitely, definitely looking for. I picked him over some other stretch force that, that, that other player people might like. I like him a lot better than Tyler Lydon, who's a good three-point shooter but doesn't do much else besides that. Um, I, I, even though DJ Wilson's a little bit older than some of the other players in this draft, I really like his potential and upside uh, to continue growing after last year's breakout season for the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, I think Wilson will be a strong contributor off the bench. I, I'm keeping my expectations very tempered with him. I'm not expecting him to break out into a starter or, or even challenge for starters minutes. I want him to come in, defend off the bench, make open threes, and that, and get out in transition. That's about it. And I think that's something that he can be successful with immediately. And that's why I'm taking him here. There are some other players that, that I really like too that were available in this range, but they just don't fit the needs the Magic have and they don't, I, I don't feel like they'll be able to contribute to the team fairly quickly. If some of these players are available in the second round, uh, certainly I would definitely take a flyer on them. I would probably take a flyer on a guy like Sundarius Thornwell in the second round or PJ Dozier or, or possibly, I mean, I, I'm a big Derek White guy. I think he's more of a point guard than a shooting guard, but Derek White would be someone that I might try and take a flyer on in early in the third, in the second round too. But with this, with this second first round pick, I wanted to make sure I get someone who I feel can contribute next year. And out of the options available to me, I think DJ Wilson is that guy. Remember, you can check out Locked On Magic on Audioboom, Stitcher, iTunes. Uh, tune in all the fun places you download podcasts, your podcast-enabled listening device, and I'll turn things back on over to David. Philip makes a great point about the lack of wings in this draft. I think that's a huge story that after Donovan Mitchell goes, there ju- maybe Justin Jackson count and Ferguson, there just aren't a lot of wings. And you, you go look at the second round wings and they're not good enough to be drafted in the first round, quite frankly. And so that this is where this run on bigs happens. We've now, this is, it's finally happened. Allen Giles, Ojale is probably not classified as a big Patton Collins, Bradley Wilson. So f- six of the last seven picks have all been bigs in, 
uh, and they're all somewhat have different characteristics to them. Uh, DJ Wilson was the pick there by the Magic, and we bring back in Draft Express's Mike Schmitz, who's been so generous with his time to us. And Mike, what are your thoughts on DJ Wilson? Really interesting kid. Uh, late bloomer was really a six seven uh, kind of a wing shooter coming up, you know, in the in the high school ranks. Ended up at Michigan, but his his recruitment was was really later on. Um, seven three wingspan, you know, two hundred forty pound frame. Uh, really looks like the style of a big you want in today's NBA. He stretches the floor. He can handle it. He can put it down and, and uh, play make a little bit can, you know, shoot off the dribble some, uh, really helped himself later in the year, um, in, you know, in their conference tournament, the NCAA tournament. Um, just his ability to switch, pick, and roll, I think, is really interesting as well. He's very light on his feet. Uh, the, so, I mean, in theory, he's everything you want. I think he's a guy who could go in the top 20. Um, you know, the questions with him are really toughness. Uh, he does, he's never rebounded the ball at a high rate. He's always been more of a finesse over, you know, physicality type of guy. Um, is he going to, you know, protect the rim consistently if he's at the five? Um, is he going to, you know, think the game at a high enough level and, and kind of handle, you know, uh, aggressive defenses and, and, and ball pressure? Um, he's just I, he's a little bit soft. So I think that's the question for him. Um, and he, you know, could use a little bit more experience uh, playing at a high level. But again, all the things I talked about in terms of the length, uh, the shooting ability, the switch ability, uh, a lot to like with him. The rumors around DJ Wilson are that he was going to go back to college. Somebody promised him in the first round. And that paid off for him that he got that promise because he just went to the Orlando Magic in our mock draft. The expectation is that that promise is from somebody who has multiple first-round picks. That would include the Portland Trailblazers at 26, but Wilson is off the board. And we send it back over to the Rose City. Eric Garcia Gunderson is standing by and get back in his war room. They've already selected Zach Collins with 15 pick he traded the 20th and is now back on the board with 26 so let's send it back over to eric in the portland trailblazer war room hey everyone it's eric garcia gunderson from locked on blazers once again here with you for the number 26 pick in the locked on mocked draft i think you thought you were going to hear from me at the 20th pick or maybe you didn't uh but we traded it for we traded it along with alan crab to the dallas mavericks for wesley matthews we had a lot of offers. Uh, if if the locked-on mock draft is any indication of what the actual market is, the Blazers are getting a lot of calls. They're, a lot of teams are interested in what they have. I think there's a lot of opportunities, again, to improve the team within you know this team, even though they're capped out and they have uh, extremely high payroll. The the three picks present them with with real avenues to improve the team, and there, there are lots of people calling. You know, we had lots of offers. You know, some teams, you know, not giving maybe the best. Some teams offering cap relief, just straight up. You know, we'll absorb your guys for a protected pick. Uh, and then another team, and then and then another team like Dallas. You know, they came in, they offered us the trade for. Uh, Wesley Matthews and the Blazers, I think, really just need guys, even though Matthews is not the tallest guy and would be a very undersized small forward, I think uh, 
I think his attitude and just his his passion on the defensive end and his strength on the defensive end will be a big help to this Blazers team. I think what they need around Dame, CJ, Nurkic are guys that are just really dedicated to defend. And, and then on the flip side, Matthews looked to have his three-point shot back last year. His two-point shot still not really, still not very good, but his three-point shot uh, looks to be back. And the Blazers just need a guy that they can credibly count on to do both of those things defense and three-point shooting and I think Matthews does that also from a cap perspective he makes about 1.5 less million dollars than Matthews next season and he has one fewer year on his deal Crabs deal has a player option for 2019-20 and Matthews's last year of his deal is a player option for 2018-19 so that will save the Blazers about Eighteen and a half million. Uh, if you know Crab were to pick up his option, which I don't understand why he wouldn't at this point. So, uh, in the last year of Crab's deal, so at the end of it, you know, overall you end up saving about twenty million dollars, uh, or you know, close to it, eighteen point five, uh, with that deal. So, uh, and and I think it also makes you better uh, tomorrow. Uh, by getting Wesley Matthews. So that's the explanation uh, why I, I I made the trade and traded the 20th pick. We are now at 26. I was hoping that uh, a, one guy in particular would still be there. I was really hoping for Semi Ojale. He's really high on my board, my personal board. I don't – so uh, – I, I and the reason being he's kind of a – I think he projects in the league as a 3-4 combo type guy. He can shoot it. He shot about 40% from three. Really big, really strong, really athletic, explosive guy. Uh, really liked watching him in the NCAA tournament and in his conference tournament as well when I watched SMU uh, in March. And I think he just does a lot of things that would really help his team. Once again, kind of like Matthews where he could defend and all that stuff, but he wasn't there. The Thunder took him with the 21st pick of the draft and uh, a couple of other guys on Portland's radar, I think also got taken John Collins from Wake Forest, a guy who has been in for workouts, Justin Patton from Creighton. Also another guy that has been in for workouts that was not available there. Uh, oh, also with the 20th pick, uh, you already know the maps took Harry Giles, another guy that has been in Portland. So lots of centers going off the board. So at the 26th pick, uh, the Blazers select, Jordan Bell from Oregon, I think he's the best player available at this spot, just in terms of everything he can do, what he does, what he can do at the next level. Again, defense is going to be such a, a major key for the growth of this Blazers team moving forward. Bell brings that, and uh, also too, just in the league, I think Bell will bring that for years to come. He's young, he's athletic, he can probably play like three, four. He probably play the four and a small ball five in the league. If he learns how to shoot, then it, then you know the sky's the limit for him really as a as a four five guy. Uh, another guy that I had on my radar after the fact it was Jonah Bolden, who also projects as a three four. But uh, I you know I couldn't look away from Bell's defense, and so uh, with the. 26 pick, the Portland Trailblazers selected Jordan Bell from Oregon. Well, awfully fun for the hometown kid to get to stay. And if you want more on Jordan Bell, we'll get more from Mike Schmitz in a second. But also, Locked on Raptors did a really nice podcast on him and OG and how much they like both those guys with Sean Woodley, if you want to add more in. Some other good podcasts that are out there. Uh, 
Thunder had uh, Sam Vecini on the show. He's very, very good. Mike Schmitz, who's done so much with us, and we've posted, was also on Locked on Kings. So there's just incredible draft coverage. Both Locked on Celtics and Locked on Sixers have broken down uh, fabulous stuff uh, involving the big trade that took place. So make sure you grab all that. All right, let's go find out what Mike Schmitz, who is our draft expert, uh, has to say about the 26th pick, Jordan Bell, getting to stay home and play for the Portland Trailblazers. Hi, Motor. Uh, runs the floor, uh, defends everybody, was really a huge part of the reason Oregon was as good as they were just because of the defensive versatility he provided. He's an excellent offensive rebounder. Uh, I think the thing about him that often gets overlooked is he's he's also a really, really good passer. And I think that's important for a guy, you know, who's not overly skilled as a scorer, who's maybe not going to stretch the floor, um, or shoot the ball much from the perimeter, but in those kind of short roll situations, I like that he's athletic to the rim, and I like that he can he can find guys. Um, so he, to me, very interesting, kind of in that late first round range. Um, he's going to protect the rim for you. He's going to switch ball screens. Uh, he's going to play above the rim. Um, he's just he's a little small, uh, kind of even for you know the way things are trending. He's cut, but he's a little narrow. Um, and he physically, I think he kind of is what he is in a lot of ways, you know, 22 years old, not all that long, 6'11 wingspan. So those are the more questions for him. How does that impact, you know, is, can he be more than, you know, a, a Tarek Black type of guy who comes in and, and murders the offensive rebound, or offensive glass, and, and gives you energy? Um, can he play more than, you know, 10, 15 minutes a game at the NBA level? And the key to that is probably going to be the passing. Today's sponsor is SeatGeek. Remember the promo code LOCK gets you a $20 rebate on your first purchase. The 27th pick of the NBA draft is the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets selected their 27th pick. The Clippers selected their 28th pick. And the general manager of the Utah Jazz, myself, panicked because the two players that I expected to drop to 30 were gone. So the Jazz then traded their twenty one of their 2017 second-round picks and a 2019 second-round pick to move up to this 27th pick to take the player that had already been selected by the Brooklyn Nets. That player, we'll find out, as I join now with general manager David Locke, which is me, is Derek White of Colorado. The story here is, and I'm going to reveal a little bit, and I, of course, I, of all people, I'm going to screw up this mock draft a little bit here, that there were two players, well, I'll leave it, you'll, you'll get it in a second. There were two players, really three players left on my board to be able to achieve what I wanted to achieve in the day. As we mentioned previously, the number one goal was to acquire a, starting point guard somewhere in this draft. I was unable to do that. The dream scenario for the Jazz is to sometime before July 1 have solidified their point guard situation in the pursuit of getting Gordon Hayward to return, showing that viability, that's solidifying that either with a Ricky Rubio or an Eric Bledsoe or or some other player that becomes available to show uh, that the Jazz have made progress there. The other scenario... Uh, for the Jazz, what you know, obviously there's some players that we talked about earlier. John Collins was someone um, 
you know, Donovan Mitchell, Zach Collins, uh, Markin, and a bunch of players, but those are never going to slide to 24 or 30. So that dream scenario is pretty unlikely. So once we realized we were taking 24 and at the time 30, the goal was to get a uh, big who could replace Boris Diaw if, in fact, he does not return next year. We also, by the way, with the new D-League rules, if Boris Diaw returns, you can have him. We took Tony Bradley. We feel very comfortable. Could be a backup center in the NBA and maybe even more. And then there were really three guards on my list. Juwan Evans, he went 17 to Milwaukee, which is a little bit of a surprise, but so he's off the board, the small six-foot point guard of Oklahoma State. And then the next two guys on the board were Derek White and then another guard who I'll leave nameless. You'll find out because he will go 28 to the, in, our, in our next pick. Uh, and you'll understand why I didn't expect him to go 28 here in a moment. There's a bunch of drama play. So when that suddenly took place, all of a sudden sitting at 30, there was nobody on the board I was that interested in. Having already taken a big, I couldn't see taking the seven foot two Latvian center and stashing him for two years, who still hasn't been drafted. The two other guys that slipped, Bam and and Ike, the two bigs, I, I, don't, I couldn't see taking them at this point as well. Uh, Bolden, possibility of a three and D wing could have been a pot could have been a choice there, but really I wanted to find another guy that could play a little point guard or at least be a ball handler uh, with wings being where they are. And Alec Burks's health being in the question. And so traded up to acquire Derek white, Derek White's story is incredible white. Um, and Mike Schmitz will tell us more played at Cal, uh, Colorado, uh, Colorado State, University of Colorado at Colorado State, wasn't a primary guy. Then last year played in the Pac-12 as a senior against for Colorado, average 18 points, four rebounds, four assists, with effective field goal percentage of 58. percent The ideal world on him is that it's George Hill all over again. Not immediately, but he's six five, two hundred pounds. He's got a six eight wingspan. He tested out really, really well athletically at the combine. And if you remember, George Hill's a late first round draft. Pick and the criticism of George Hill at the time. What what is his skill? What's the thing he does really really well? Um, and that, and that's a legitimate question on White of like what he does great. He's not a great rim finisher. He he stands up a little bit when he plays defensively. He has an average first step. He so there are there are some little there are some concerns. I have a large concern on a twenty three year old who prospered against eighteen year olds. That's a pretty good way to miss uh, in the draft. But at this point of the draft, uh, wanting to get that pos- player to fill that position, this is the best player who can come in, play both the point and the two. Does shot forty percent from three. Uh, does some things adequately. They didn't run a ton of call. Col- pick and roll at Colorado, so you're going to have to really hope he's able to uh, kind of figure that out a little bit. But Derek White is the pick, and the Jazz move up to the 27th, trading one of their second-round picks uh, for this year and as well in 2019 uh, with the Brooklyn Nets, who will slide down to 30th. Uh, and you'll understand in a moment why the math I did on how who I where I thought players would go and why I was pretty certain one of these guards would slip to me at 30 did not happen. So Derek White is the pick at 30, excuse me, at 27 for the Utah Jazz after trading up from 30. Let's go to Mike Schmitz for a breakdown of the single year Colorado player but a 23-year-old 6 foot 5, 200 pounds Derek White with just this incredible kind of story coming out of nowhere. 
Yeah, quite a story is right. Uh, D2 transfer, really had no offers out of high school, was a scrawny 6'1 guard, uh, was going to go to an NAIA school, I believe, a local school. Um, but then that coach ended up taking a D2 job, brought him with him, um, really evolved in three years at that school, transferred to Colorado, and, you know, his first year playing Division One basketball exploded for 18 points a game, you know, in the Pac-12. So, uh, tremendous ascension for him. One of my favorite prospects in this draft in terms of guys who maybe aren't talked about um, all that much. Just really, really smooth. I, you know, a big guard, I think, who can play on or off the ball, has an excellent feel for the game, can shoot off the dribble, can shoot off the catch. Um, somewhat of a sneaky athlete. Not a guy who always gets by you, but every once in a while he'll rise up and bang – you know, bang one on you. So um, just really smooth, knows how to play, uh, instinctual defensively, you know, needs to get stronger, um, has a little bit of a, you know, skinny, uh, a kind of an awkward frame to him, about 200 pounds, not great defensively, um, average length, you know, for his position. So I think he's going to need to get better on the, on the defensive side of the ball. But uh, I think he'll be find a way to be adequate. Uh, to me, he's a guy who's going to come in the NBA and, and have an impact immediately. Maybe not to the same degree of a Malcolm Brogdon. Um, you know, not as long, not as physical. But I, I just, I really like his ability to to play. He's just, he's just a hooper. What position? I would play him on the ball. Uh, I think he's really interesting on the ball because he's a good. Uh, ball screen player and because he can really pass um, but you know if you have multiple ball handlers I think in the backcourt maybe another guy who has a little bit more zip to him who's maybe going to put more pressure on the rim um, whereas he's more of a methodical athlete more smooth more skill-based uh, I think that could be a good pairing. So the Utah Jazz leave with Tony Bradley big from North Carolina Derek White, guard from Colorado. Uh, it's the way a lot of mock drafts have the Jazz. The 28th pick of the draft is designed to be for the L.A. Lakers. However, it has switched spots in Los Angeles. The Clippers have just traded Jamal Crawford and Wesley Johnson for the 28th pick, Luel Dang and Corey Brewer. So the Clippers have acquired this 28th pick to get in the first round. They've also taken the Luel Dang contract and Corey Brewer. The um, Clippers from the Lakers, the Clippers have taken Jamal Crawford, Wesley Johnson uh, in the deal. Let's find out more. Hanging out with Jerry West and Doc Rivers is locked on Clippers host Lucas Han to tell us about the trade as well as the pick number 28. Hi, everyone. I'm Lucas Han, the host of the Locked On Clippers podcast, and I'm here to discuss the trade that I made to get the 28th pick in our mock draft, as well as my selection of Frank Jackson from Duke. So the trade that I made was to give up Jamal Crawford and Wesley Johnson in exchange for Luol Dang. Corey Brewer, and the 28th pick in the draft, which the Lakers have. This isn't necessarily great value for the Clippers, but I was interested in making a move where I could take advantage of Jamal's, Jamal Crawford's kind of team-friendly contract that only has $3 million guaranteed for the 2018-2019 season, and in exchange for moving that contract, take back a worse contract and get a pick in this draft. So it's possible that if the Clippers pursue this strategy, they might be able to work with the Portland Trailblazers who are also interested in freeing up some money and maybe get a better pick than pick 28, or perhaps 
do a little more negotiating with the Lakers and pick up a future second round pick as well or something like that. But I wasn't necessarily super interested in the details, just the general idea behind the trade. And I largely think that Jamal Crawford at this point has run his course with the Clippers, especially because they have an oversaturation of shooting guards with Redick, Austin Rivers, and Jamal Crawford. And I think that Luol Deng, as this veteran who obviously was good in Miami two years ago and really poor for the Lakers last season, it's a good opportunity to buy low. And what I mean by that is in talking with you know, Lakers writers, as well as my view, is that Luol Deng has a chance to be more effective than he was last season for the Lakers if he's in a better situation on a good team. He's only 32 years old, and even though he has a lot of miles because of his time playing for Tom Thibodeau in Chicago, I think that he could help the Clippers as a rotational piece, even though he will, in all likelihood, never be worth this massive contract that the Lakers have given him. But in exchange for taking back that contract, I was able to get a draft pick and inject another young player into a very, very old Clippers roster. And then just as a throw-in, I included Wesley Johnson for Corey Brewer because Wesley Johnson had a really bad year for the Clippers, and I just feel like Corey Brewer is a marginal upgrade as a rotation piece on the wing, and the Clippers could definitely use some taller, more athletic shooting guards and someone to defend on the perimeter aside from Luke Mbamute. So overall, I think that it is... You know, at least uh, um, there's there are some good things in the move, even if the overall value isn't great, that could suggest that this is the kind of idea that the Clippers could look to pursue actually on draft night. So as far as the pick goes, I went with Frank Jackson out of Duke. I actually really would have liked to take Derek White from Colorado, but he went at pick 27 right before me. And I just wanted to get a young guard because the Clippers last season brought in two rookies, Bryce Johnson at power forward and Diamond Stone at center. And so I wanted to bring in Frank Jackson, a guy who I felt like can play point guard as a third string point guard where the Clippers need a little bit of depth behind presumably Chris Paul and Raymond Felton returning in free agency, as well as can play shooting guard. So the Clippers can groom him to be Chris Paul's long-term backup at point guard, but they'll be able to find him minutes as a depth option at both guard positions. So I'm excited to be able to add that young player to my team. I think that bringing in Luol Deng is going to help the Clippers at least as much as Jamal Crawford did as kind of a veteran rotational piece. And I think Corey Brewer is an upgrade over Wesley Johnson. Obviously, the pain in this deal is the long-term contract that Luol Deng brings. But if the Clippers are as optimistic about re-signing Chris Paul and Blake Griffin as they seem to be, then they'll be in a situation where they won't have cap room for the years to come anyway. So it's not like having another inflated salary on the books really hurts all that much. So thanks for listening, guys. You can find me on Twitter at LucasJHan and, of course, hosting the Locked On Clippers podcast. Once again, I'm Lucas Han. There's where you can see that the Jazz found themselves in a little bit of a trouble because Frank Jackson was their other choice. So after Derek White and Frank Jackson were both gone, the Jazz were sitting at 30, not able to get anybody they hoped to get in the draft. So they instead moved up to 27 for that Derek White trade. Jackson goes 28. 
eight. And now the Spurs are on, and the Nets will have the 30th and final pick before we look at some of the second rounders. But there are some big names sliding. Bam out of Kentucky, Ike out of UCLA, the seven foot two Latvian has not been drafted. There just seems to be no huge desire to grab a big right now. Let's go back over to Mike Schmitz and find out. Frank Jackson played a single year at Duke. He broke his foot during the workouts. And let's find out what Mike thinks of Frank Jackson. Frank, powerful athlete. Uh, you know, can play above the rim in space. Um, you know, if you ask uh, the, you know, the P3 sports science guys who do a phenomenal job and have worked with the Jazz for a long time um, out, out in Santa Barbara, you know, they say he's one of the better, you know, athletes in terms of sheer force he generates um, that, that they've ever tested. So uh, I, I think he's going to be able to, you know, put pressure on the rim, be physical, getting downhill, He's really at his best when he can kind of square his shoulders to the rim and, and um, play that, you know, kind of thunderous, powerful style. Um, can also shoot it. I like that he can shoot it off the catch. He can make a one or two dribble pull up. Um, to me, he's not a point guard. Uh, I don't really see him as a combo guard either. I think he's actually kind of a, strictly a two guard. Um, so he's going to need to, you know, get better in terms of his decision making. Um, you know, obviously had a, had a foot injury that's kind of sidelined him at surgery, I believe, um, sidelined him throughout the pre-draft, you know, workout pro- process. But uh, I like him as an off-the-bench, you know, scorer-type change-of-pace guard. Frank Jackson can really get downhill. That's that's what separates Frank Jackson. Remember, Reddit AMA today, 2 o'clock Eastern time on Tuesday to talk about the draft with the host who made these picks. The San Antonio Spurs always have something up their sleeve. Jeff Garcia is the host of Locked on Spurs. Hey, this is Jeff Garcia out here at Locked on Spurs. And if there is one team that can make plenty of magic late in the first round, and that is the San Antonio Spurs. Their history shows this. Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, and more recently, DeJounte Murray. So it looks like the Spurs will be doing that Spurs magic once again in the Locked On NBA Podcast Network's mock draft. But heading into this mock draft and the real draft, uh, there are a couple of issues um, the uh, Spurs need to address. And if they can do it in this draft, uh, most certainly they will. And that's starting off with the point guard position and a, a bigger or a larger presence in the paint. But let's start off with the uh, point guard spot. As you know, as I know, uh, the injury to Tony Parker was quite devastating to the Spurs. And uh, it looks like he'll be out of action and will return to the uh, NBA court next season, late January. At least that's the best uh, per outlook for number nine to return to the court. So uh, with their primary point guard out of action, the Spurs could look for a point guard help deep in the draft, but I don't think they will. They have a kid, as I mentioned, DeJounte Murray. He's waiting in the wings, and the Spurs are fully invested in him, and he'll likely take over the point guard reins next season. At the fact that the Spurs will also likely focus their energies on re-signing guard Patty Mills, the Spurs can't afford to address their need for a bigger, a more physical presence in the paint. Now, I know what you're thinking. The Spurs have David Lee. They have Pau Gasson. They have LaMarcus Aldridge. But let's face it. David Lee is getting up there in age. He's coming off a uh, kind of a scary injury. He has suffered late in the West Finals versus the Warriors. Didn't need surgery, but uh, hopefully he'll come back next season ready to go, and he's likely to opt in 
to his contract next season with San Antonio. Pau Gasol, the same for him. He's likely, and he's pretty much said he's going to opt into his player option with San Antonio next season. But with him, he's also up there in age. He isn't the same Pau Gasol we've seen in years past. He's more of a finesse player, and uh, he's been uh, pretty good for San Antonio off the bench. But once again, in the postseason, especially in the West uh, playoffs, West Finals playoffs, that is, uh, he came up small and uh, didn't much, didn't pretty much do anything versus the Golden State Warriors. And then that comes to LaMarcus Aldridge. Look, he hasn't been the player we've seen in Portland. And uh, we saw just how, um, well, a non-factor he was for San Antonio versus Golden State in the Western Conference Finals when the team needed him the most. Uh, he's just, again, not that same physical player that we've seen in Portland. Uh, and it looks like uh, he's just still not that dominant presence in the paint uh, that the Spurs expected him to be. He still relies on that outside jumper, which is still effective, uh, but he kind of shies away from the physicality. He doesn't really take it to the rim aggressively. And I think for him, he might need help uh, in the paint having a player that can do the dirty work, that can get the rebounds, that can be a defensive presence in the paint, that can score as well. And I think the Spurs can use that type of player to play alongside LaMarcus Aldridge and Kawhi Leonard in the front court. Of course, there is uh, Dwayne Dedman, but as you heard, he has opted out. He will not be coming back to San Antonio, and he's going to be looking uh, for greener pastures next season. So, that it pretty much, when it boils down to it, is the Spurs' biggest need heading into the draft. Paint presence defensively and offensively. Now, the dream scenario for the Spurs in this mock draft, or hopefully the real deal, is they pull off another Kawhi Leonard, George Hill, steal of the day, of the century so far. Uh, but uh, barring that, I think the dream scenario did play out for the Spurs in this mock draft as the players um, that were picked uh, prior to the Spurs selection, it looks like it was shaping up and it did shape up for the Spurs to address their biggest needs. As I mentioned before, paint presence on both ends. Now, before I announce my selection uh, for the silver and black, there was some trade chatter between myself and locked on magic's host, Philip Rossman Reich. He did offer for LaMarcus Aldridge um, th three late first-round picks and Evan Fournier almost bid on that. Uh, why? It gets LaMarcus Aldridge's hefty contract off the Spurs book, and perhaps they can chase a player like Chris Paul, as they've been rumored to, free up some money for uh, CP3. Uh, it also would uh, relieve uh, the Spurs of a player who just hasn't really panned out. But in the end, uh, Phillip uh, backed out. I was kind of on the fence about it. I think I wanted a little bit more. Um, uh, not necessarily uh, in as far as what he's offering, but uh, player-wise. I think if we we're going to lose LaMarcus Aldridge, I wanted uh, a big in return. Trade talks broke down between me and Phil, and the Spurs um, and myself were left with the pick. And with that, uh, with the 29th pick... In the Locked On NBA Network uh, mock draft, the San Antonio Spurs select K. 
Caleb Swanigan, power forward center from Purdue. Swanigan is in the mode of exactly what the Spurs need to play alongside Kawhi Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge in the paint. He is a throwback player. He is a very physical player. He has, uh, at least uh, from his play in uh, college at Purdue, he can pan out to be a Zach Randolph-like or a Paul Millsap-like player. Uh, rough, rugged, can rebound, can score, and can also hit the long ball. The Spurs can use a player like this. Now, let's look what he did in his sophomore season. 18.5 points, 12.5 rebounds, 3 assists. His uh, PER was 26.7. He has a wingspan of 7 foot 3. He is six foot nine. He's still in his. He's still young, twenty years old. And with the Spurs going in a uh, youth movement, uh, pretty much after the big three, Swanigan is exactly what the Spurs need down low. And I think he will also take some pressure off Lamarcus Aldridge in the paint as far as having to score, uh, rebound, and what have you. And speaking of rebounds, Swanigan. 2.7 offensive rebounds at Purdue in his sophomore season. As I mentioned, 12.5 rebounds. He was named the Big Ten Player of the Year. He won the Lute Olsen and Pete Newell Awards. He led Purdue to a 27-8 and season and a Sweet 16 appearance. This guy is exactly what the Spurs like. He's a prototypical Spur. I think he'll fit in well in San Antonio. Uh, he is a bruiser. He is rugged. He is physical. Uh, he is tough as nails. He's for a ferocious competitor on the boards. And I think this is exactly what the Spurs need. And I think pairing him with a young player like DeJounte Murray, Kawhi Leonard, the veteran like LaMarcus Aldridge, and another lockdown defender like Danny Green, the Spurs could up not only their defense, but their offense as well. He is a, he's just a punisher in the paint. Uh, I like what he can do. He has offensive versa- versatility, uh, 59%, I'm sorry, 59 three point field goals during his two year college career and shot 78% from the free throw line in 2016 17. He is polished as they can become. Uh, He's exactly what the Spurs need, as I mentioned, and I'm glad to see Swanigan be wearing silver and black next season. Hopefully, it comes true. But, uh, yeah, this is Jeff Garcia of Locked On Spurs. Come on out to the Locked On Spurs channel right here on the Locked On NBA Podcast Network for everything silver and black. And let's go ahead and welcome Caleb Swanigan. Great stories are definitely telling the or making the headlines here at this point of the draft. The great story of Derek White, Caleb Swanigan, another terrific life story, uh, grew up homeless for part of his life. And talk about a guy who's got heart and fight and desire to be great. Let's find up, out what Mike Schmitz of Draft Express has to say about Caleb and his prospects as an NBA player now on the Locked On Podcast Mock Draft with the San Antonio Spurs. One of the better, you know, big men in in, uh, college basketball. It's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, how he fits just in in the league. You know, one of these guys where you really have to think long and hard about how his game translates because 
Um, you know, had some struggles, I thought, you know, defending ball screens and, and, you know, getting up and down improved athlete. I mean, a tremendous story, a kid that was pretty much homeless and, uh, you know, 300 plus pounds, uh, really out of shape. So, I mean, for him to be where he is today is remarkable. And he's a guy who you think, you know, given his mentality is, is going to be able to, you know, maximize his potential at the NBA level. I like him as kind of a second unit, big um, can play, you know, that old school style a little bit. Um, and I think the key is going to be stretching the floor. Shot the ball really, really well from three this year. We need to see if that's a mirage or not. Because if it's not, um, you know, I think you have a really interesting player because he can pass. Um, he can actually put the ball down a little bit for his size. He has touch in the paint. But if he's not stretching it, I'm not sure he's a dynamic enough you know, post score and, and kind of inside 15 feet presence um, to overcome some of the, the issues defensively, but really rebounds, very productive, going to be in the league a long time. It's just a matter of to what level. And we reach our final pick of the NBA draft first round. We will get some thoughts on Mike from the second round and Ben standing, uh, standing of the Locked on Wizards is standing by uh, in his war room to give us analysis of second round picks uh, that are upcoming as well. But let's go back to Brooklyn for the 30th and final pick of the first round of this 2017 NBA Locked on Podcast Network mock draft. Gavin Shaw is standing by in the Brooklyn Nets war room. Thanks again, David. I'm Gavin Shaw, host of the Locked On Nets podcast, and happy to be back on Locked On NBA to finish up this mock draft and let you know what I think the Brooklyn Nets would hypothetically do with the 30th pick in the 2017 NBA draft. So we went over this a little bit at 22, but it's always worth reemphasizing. The Nets are going to take the best player available. There's no one whose position is so set in stone that you can't take the best guy available, or rather you couldn't justify taking the best guy available at whatever spot the Nets end up picking if they make a trade or if they don't make a trade. In in this case, we're going with a point guard, and Jeremy Lin seems like one of the more solid guys on this team, along with Brooke Lopez. He's one of the two, um, I, w- I would say, flat-out proven players on this team and on top of that he's coming off of a really good season one in which he was injured quite a bit only played 36 games started 33 but you look at his stats per 36 minutes and they are pretty impressive 21.7 and a half assists five and a half rebounds a night shooting 44 percent from the field including 48% from two-point range, 37% from three-point range. So a fairly efficient season, good production for Jeremy. But again, he only has two more years under contract as a net. So it's not someone who... At, when, you're, when you're looking at a timeline of when the Nets are going to be good, you're not looking at one year, you're not looking at two years, you're probably looking at somewhere between three to five if you're wondering when they're going to return to playoff contention. So at that point, you have no idea if Jeremy Lin is on this team. And I guess developmentally, you want to take someone who would theoretically have more time, but with the injury proneness, for lack of a better term, that Jeremy showed last season. I still think that's a distinct possibility. And then it's going to afford to play lineups with two point guards. They can afford to do whatever they want to get their young guys going. It's all about getting the best player available. And at 27 and now at 30 that those were the guys who I thought the Nets should take. Um, my dream scenario at 27 was one of two guys, both in uh, both from the Conference of Champions, where I spent my college days the last four years at Arizona State, so I got pretty familiar with these two. Uh, Jordan Bell was the guy I was really looking at. I know he doesn't really fit the direct mold of an NBA player, at least in an obvious way. 
I mean, six foot nine, two hundred twenty-five pound power forwards. If, if I'm getting his measurements uh, correct aren't really in vogue in 2017 but he's a guy I watched a ton in college and I think is absolutely a game changer I really thought about him at 22 just to give you um, context for how much I love him I I think if you're trying to instill a culture in your team which is which is what the Nets want to do in this draft and they want to do um, just in a holistic sense I, I think he's the guy to go get. He will play hard every single possession. I think he's a total game changer on the defensive end and someone um, who's still some potential to expand on offense a little bit similar to Willie Cauley-Stein, but you get him at a discount price, theoretically, at 27. Unfortunately, we were not quite that lucky. The Blazers swept him up one pick ahead of us to keep uh, Jordan Bell in Oregon. Uh, my other dream guy who actually was available at 27 was Derek White out of Colorado, and he was obviously someone David liked quite a bit too. I know talking to David after um, his work out there, he compared him, uh, or at least his upside potentially, to George Hill. I, I see a little bit of uh, Mike Conley in him, and that, that's exaggerating things. It's kind of a poor man's Mike Conley. He definitely doesn't have the same burst, and that caps his upside, um, I, I would say, below an all-star level. But he's someone who at the combine showed off a lot of speed, is an elite shooter, really crafty, and just has this inherent will to win. I know back in the Pac-12 tournament when Colorado was uh, down big, in a couple of games, he just kept on fighting, kept on hitting ridiculous shot after ridiculous shot. So Derek White, a guy I like a lot. I think he's going to be a really nice player and a guy I could see fitting in the NBA for a long, long time. But again, we hinted at it. Uh, David explained it before we went on. Um, the trade he offered up was just too good to pass up. It was the 30th pick where I got a guy I didn't like quite as much as White, but someone I was still really into as a player. And on top of that, we pick up Utah's second-round pick this year at 42, which with how deep this draft is, you're going to get a really, really good contributor. And we get a second-round pick in 2019. Who knows how good that is, especially if Gordon Hayward does end up leaving this summer. So uh, if you're the Nets, you just need as many shots as possible on, if not superstars, getting guys who can contribute. And I think 42 is a spot where we will get that guy. And I think 30 is a spot where we can get that guy. And I picked up Frank Mason. And I know this is a pick that a lot of draft experts or fans will kind of scoff at because he's considered a consensus second rounder and I don't totally understand that and I I get that guys like Isaiah Thomas and Ty Lawson um, before the last two years were the exception rather than the rule of NBA players being extremely successful under six feet but I I think I think Mason if if he's not going to be as good as those two guys I think he fits a lot of the same characteristics that made them really successful. He was, despite it being his fourth year, he was an outstanding player last season, the National Player of the Year in college basketball, 23 points, six assists on a per 40-minute basis, and most importantly, he was the best three-point shooter out of any guard in this draft, 47% from behind the arc, Um, extremely explosive in transition. He didn't always show it, but he has the potential to be a really explosive finisher with a 41-inch vertical leap. He was in the 86th percentile in terms of um, attacking the basket and finishing an iso ball so he doesn't necessarily need a screen to create can really shoot the three ball from anywhere both as a spot up guy and off the dribble and I'm a little bit concerned just because of his size of whether that trend can continue into the NBA um, he was a functional passer wasn't as wasn't really special just because he of his height I would say he missed a lot of um, open three-point shooters and kind of had tunnel vision going to the basket but I think that's something that can improve with time and, and the main reason I loved him so much is because he's just not a guy who's going to get bullied. He really has good functional strength. He's smart. He's tough. And he has this 
incredible will to win and ability to raise his game when it matters most. I know some people think those characteristics are ridiculous, but or at least assigning them to a guy in college who's under six foot feet, and that's fair. But I think he showed it time and time again. He scored at least 20 points in each of his final seven college games over the Big 12 tournament and NCAA tournament against the Oregon Ducks in the game that ultimately proved to be the finale of his career, where his Kansas team was struggling. A potential top pick, Josh Jackson, didn't show up in the slightest. He scored or assisted on 19 straight points in the first half to keep his Kansas team in it. This guy just has special intangibles. He raises his game when it matters most. And I think to succeed at his height, you have to be an elite shooter, and he proved this season he's an elite shooter. I think he's a lot of the same qualities I loved in Buddy Heald last year, and instead of getting him at six, you're getting him all the way down with the 30th pick. He will be good for the Brooklyn Nets, and that is my breakdown of the Nets, 30th pick, and the end of our Lockdown Mock Draft. David? Thank you, Gavin. Great work. Mason can really shoot it, and that is probably what's going to make him be an NBA player. I tell you, Gavin's breakdown made me wonder if I made a mistake on that trade. Well, Brooklyn picks up the second-round pick of the Jazz as well as a 2019 second-round pick and Frank Mason. The first round is in the books, and before we review it and look toward the second round, let's get the breakdown of Mason from Mike Schmitz of Draft Express. I like, uh, nice. I like Frank sneaking in that, that first round. Uh, it's tough as nails. Um, he's going to find a way to stick. Uh, just has, you know, big balls, not afraid of the moment, made a ton of big shots at Kansas. Uh, we'll get it, get up into you and defend. He's, he's physical. Um, I think he plays a little bit bigger than his size just because he's not afraid of contact. He's, he's tremendous in transition. He's really turned himself into an outstanding three point shooter. Um, again, maybe never an NBA starter just because of the size, because he's, he's also not the most natural point guard. He's more of a kind of a change of pace guy, you know, who's at his best when he's putting pressure on the rim and then he, you know, he can make a spot three, but, um, I think he's a guy who you bet on all day long, just because of his toughness, uh, his willingness to play both ends, um, and, and just, you know, his production at a high level, um, I don't think you know, you can understate that either. Mike, don't leave us quite yet. Uh, with our mock draft now completed uh, and the order of picks, uh, Fultz goes one, Lonzo Ball goes two, Josh Jackson three, Jonathan Isaac four to the Suns, De'Aaron Fox five to the Kings, Magic sixth took the point guard Dennis Smith, Timberwolves seventh Malik Rose, Knicks got Jason Tatum eighth, Markkinen went ninth to the Pistons, who traded into that spot. Kings held and got OG on Anobu tenth. Frank Tilakina went eleventh. The Mavericks traded in, took Donovan Mitchell at twelve. The Nuggets went thirteenth for TJ Leaf. Heat took Justin Jackson, followed by the Blazers taking Zach Collins. The selection by the Bulls was Terrence Ferguson. Milwaukee was seventeen, took Jawan Evans, a bit of a surprise. That slipped some people down. 18th took the Pacers, Luke Kennard. Jared Allen starts a run of bigs at 19 while going being acquired by the Atlanta Hawks. Mavericks, with another trade, took Harry Giles. Thunder at 21 took semi, uh, Shimmy Olijay. Uh, Ojale, excuse me. The Nets took Justin Patton. John Collins went 23rd to the Hornets. Jazz go with t- big man Tony Bradley. Magic 25, DJ Wilson. 
Blazers 26, Jordan Bell. Utah trades up to get Derek White at 27. The Clippers trade in to get Frank Jackson at 28. And the Spurs, Caleb Swanigan and Frank Mason. So Swanigan, Mason, maybe even as early as Evans point guard means we had some players we didn't expect uh, Mike into the first round. That means that some guys dropped, and particularly bigs, which I think is the likelihood in this tournament, or excuse me, in this draft, that there's going to be some bigs that drop. So Bam, the Latvian big. EK out of UCLA, all fell. What What are your thoughts on these guys uh, that slid out of our first round? EK is a guy who, you know, could definitely go in the top 20, if not higher. Um, didn't play a huge role at UCLA, but I think he's really what you're looking for in terms of a guy who uh, protects the rim at a really high rate, plays super hard, knows what he is. He's the age, really, of, you know, an incoming freshman, 7'6", wingspan, uh, 250 pounds, shredded frame, uh, can run the floor, can catch lobs. You know, he's he's one of these bench bigs, I think, who uh, can change the game with his energy, his rim protection, his lob catching. Um, he's had some injury, you know, issues uh, throughout the workout process, um, had some throughout the year as well, so he's not really doing anything for anyone. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where he goes. But to me, he's a top 20 pick. Um, I think Bam Adebayo, interesting as well, probably a guy who goes in the top 25, um, athletic. I think he's going to be able to switch everything at the NBA level. Uh, the question with him, and has some skill, more skill than he was able to show at Kentucky. The question for him is, you know, is he willing to accept the role that um, he'll likely have in the NBA? You know, a guy like Ike knows what he is, going to do the little things, whereas Bam, I think, um, has spent a lot of his, you know, time trying to prove that he's a four and that he can play on the perimeter. Um, so I think, you know, kind of accepting using his freakish athleticism um, and, and doing more on the glass and on the defensive end will serve him well. Uh, Pasechnik's also a really, really intriguing guy. You know, we just saw him work out out in L.A. Uh, Latvian uh, played at Gran Canaria in Spain. Uh, moves really, really well for 7-3. Uh, can catch lobs, you know, he's good as a role man in, in ball screens um, and can stretch the floor a little bit. He's not a dynamic three-point shooter, but I think he's a guy who can make, you know, an occasional three when he has time and space um, and can protect the rim a little bit. Not the toughest guy. Uh, needs to get a little bit tougher, needs to get a little bit stronger um, and naturally gets a lot of the Porzingis <laughs> comparisons, which I think is far off um, and, and he you know, has told us that as well, that he's kind of trying to pave his own path. Um, but again, I think a guy you could hear, you know, in the top 20 as well. Well, thank you very much, Mike. Incredible work for us on this podcast and this five-part series, as well as uh, all your work at Draft Express. We thank you so much for being part of the Lockdown Podcast mock draft. Ben Standing is the host of Lockdown Wizards. Wizards didn't have a first-round pick, so Ben has looked into other second-round possibilities for us. Let's throw it over to Washington, D.C., the nation's capital, and get a rundown of the second round of this draft. Hi, this is Ben Standing, and I'm here to talk to you about some potential second-round picks. Why did I get this assignment? Well, I'm also the podcast host for the Locked On Wizards podcast, and the Wizards don't have a first-round pick this year. That puts them in pretty good company, though. The New Orleans Pelicans, Los Angeles Clippers, Houston Rockets, Memphis Grizzlies, Cleveland Cavaliers, and yes, the Golden State Warriors also are without first-round picks. There's... The good thing this year, though, for those teams and any team with a second-round selection 
is because this is considered to be a pretty deep draft, there's a, there should be some good players deeper in round two. If you want experienced players, let's take a look at a couple names right here. Same goes for Villanova small forward Josh Hart, part of that Villanova 2016 National Championship team. He followed that up with a Big East Player of the Year campaign. Yes, he can score. Yes, he can shoot from deep. But the real interest in Hart is are the intangibles and his defense. He's somebody who's going to come in. He won't be intimidated by NBA players. He'll be able to help a, a, an NBA team right away, possibly even as a rotation player. A lot of people say he's this. He's potentially this year's Malcolm Brogdon. I don't think that's a bad comparison at all. Want floor generals? Well, how about Xavier's Edmund Sumner? Now, Sumner's year last season was cut short because of a knee injury. But don't let that fool you or don't let that scare you away. We're talking about a guy who averaged five assists for the Musketeers. He's got a six foot nine wingspan. He can score from uh, score, particularly getting to the basket. Very athletic, assuming that the knee checks out okay. I think Edmund Sumner could be a very interesting upside play for an NBA team. Iowa State point guard Monty Moore doesn't have the same type of upside, but he's a very efficient player, and he was the one as that point guard role who directed Iowa State's impressive offensive attack. He's another similar player similar to, to Mason, who even though at point guard should be able to come in and help a team sooner than later at that spot. You want scoring? Well, how about Florida State's Dwayne Bacon, six foot seven, small forward. He can he can get it done from all angles. Crafty. Uh, he's still growing into his game, and you can actually see some legitimate upside there. W- w- Bacon could be a, pr- a pretty interesting steal for a team in round two, looking for some punch from that small forward spot. Here's another one for you. Valparaiso's Alec Peters. Stretch four potential indeed for the 6'9 senior. We're talking about a guy who's shot a pretty good percentage from three, averaging two makes a game. That was where he was being defended. He was the primary focus for defenses. Coming to an NBA team where he'll be given more opportunity to get open shots, especially if he lands with a reasonable point guard. Alex Peters is the type of player who could come in and help a team, as we're, as especially looking to add that three-point element out of its front court spot. All right, so there are some potential second-round prospects to keep an eye on. I'm Ben Standig. Good luck in the 2017 NBA Draft. Thanks a lot, Ben. And before we wrap up, let's go back to our guy from down under. We got Josh Lloyd standing by to give the final analysis of picks 25 through 30 from a fantasy perspective. Hi, guys. It's Josh Lloyd, back host of Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Going to be talking about these final six picks in the Locked On mock draft. I hope you've enjoyed all the shows so far. Let's go straight to pick 25, which was the Orlando Magic, and they selected DJ Wilson out of Michigan. Um, obviously, the Magic needs talent wherever they can get it, and Wilson's a, a pretty nice pick at that spot. It seems like he slid a little bit down the board, but that's that's fine. As a fantasy prospect, um, you don't expect much out of the 25th pick in Orlando. He's going to be playing behind uh, Aaron Gordon. Uh, obviously, there's Nikola Vucevic. 
Bismack Biyombo there as well. So he's not going to be pushed straight into huge amounts of playing time unless Frank Vogel decides that he wants to go back to playing Aaron Gordon at three, which I don't imagine will be the case. So Wilson's a player who, who has you know, a decent block rate, which is a positive for him, but you know, subpar rebounding is a concern. And, and overall, he doesn't translate as a brilliant fantasy prospect, even if he played you know, the full 30, 32 minutes as a starter normally would. So well, it's fine for them to get that sort of value, and, and it is it is a good pick for them at that spot. I don't really see that as being a, an awesome fantasy prospect for now or for the future. On the contrary, pick 26 with the Portland Trailblazers selecting Jordan Bell. This is one that the fantasy projections absolutely love. He comes out as a top four guy, irrespective of playing time and situation, with his ability to get blocks, steals, rebounds, and shoot a huge field goal percentage. And the, and you, you mix that in with his actual real-life defensive ability. Jordan Bell is going to be able to see the court, you would think, almost immediately. Now, on this Blazers team, who, who we're running Mo Harkless. We've got Al Aminu, Myers, Leonard, Ed Davis uh, around Yusuf Nurkic there. There is an opportunity for him to push into some of these minutes almost immediately. And while he probably wouldn't be a standard league top 100 guy, and maybe even not a top 150 guy in his first season, I think there is a lot to like, and if you're in deeper fantasy leagues, Jordan Bell could be an immediate contributor. And I think that you know, given he's picked at pick 26, I would take him ahead of many of the people who went above him here in a dynasty-type format, maybe even consider sneaking him into the top 20 of, of fantasy rookies, especially given this situation that he finds himself in. At pick 27, we had a trade with Utah getting Derek White out of Colorado. And much like Jordan Bell, Derek White projects very, very well for fantasy. Now, we we know that Utah's point guard situation is a little bit precarious. We don't know if George Hill is coming back. We don't know what to make of Dante Exum, Shelvin Mack, Hull, Neto. So Derek White is in a position where he could force himself into a significant playing time. Early on, there are so many variables with the Jazz. Does Haywood return? Do they blow it up? Do they run him in there? So he has got a chance. And there is a legit opportunity, if this scenario played out and he did go to Utah, for Derek White to be a top five fantasy rookie. That is, it's a long shot, and there are a lot of things that need to to change for that to be the case. But they're things that you could all look at them and go, well, I can see this happening, and I can see this happening, and I can see this happening. And they're all those sort of things that would need to come together. But his overall statistical profile, he's a you know, good shot blocker for a point guard. The steals, the assists, nice rebounder, can score a bit, you know, do it relatively efficiency, efficiently. Hit some threes. He is one of those guys that's right up there in terms of uh, fantasy value from rookies. We've got uh, the Clippers trading into the first round at pick 28, and they chose one of the uh, one, another one of the Franks with Frank Jackson out of Duke going to the Clippers. He doesn't project quite as well um, as some of these other guys. In fact, he projects pretty horribly from a fantasy point of view. And one thing we know is that Doc Rivers is not going to play his rookies at all. Like, not at all. So if this situation arose and they'd somehow, he found his way to the Clippers, we're just not going to see anything out of Frank Jackson as a rookie. And I don't really think that, even if he goes to another location, that you're going to get huge fantasy value and he would be a very low-priority dynasty-type target for me. The Spurs at pick 29... Caleb Swanigan out of Purdue, a player who we know his, uh, we know his concerns, we know his, um, limitations, but from a fantasy point of view, we can, if he can get it together and there's no place better for someone to get it together than in San Antonio, it could all work out for him. He is a very, very good rebounder. And if he can start to become a more consistent three point shooter, 
that's going to really help his fantasy game. Now, one of the downsides is the fact that his defensive numbers are poor. And as a center, you're getting really, really poor you know, block numbers, not good steal numbers. But the, the scoring, the efficiency, the block numbers, that can be all something that is useful. And you know, he could find a role down down the track. And I think that if you were, again, drafting dynasty rookies, you would pick him higher than pick 29. Maybe only four or five spots higher, but he would go a little bit higher, higher than some of these other guys that we've spoken about in terms of his playing time immediately in San Antonio or wherever he goes, he's not going to be playing enough minutes to be a, a useful player for the majority of the season. The last pick in the Locked On Mock Draft was the Brooklyn Nets as they traded back from 27 with Utah, and they selected another guard by the name of Frank, and that is Frank Mason. Um, he's sort of a, a, a mid-tier fantasy rookie, I guess, Nothing that stands out as being totally spectacular when we look at him and I go, oh, if he got 30 minutes, he'd be the guy that we, that we want to be all over. But the fact that he is landing in Brooklyn in this scenario, and if he lands in Brooklyn in real life, that makes it interesting. We know Jeremy Lin had those hamstring issues last season. It's not like they've got established players really at any position um, there. So yeah, he could play some backup. He could play at the two a little bit. So there is some some ability there, and that might push him to be a 20-team uh, fantasy rookie next season. But in terms of his overall profile, he doesn't strike me as someone that you want to be getting all in on and hoping for your know, top 70 seasons in the future. So while it's a good pick at that spot, it's not going to really ruffle too many fantasy feathers, I don't think, moving forward. I hope you guys enjoyed all of this Locked On mock draft and uh, and listened to uh, or enjoyed all the, the commentary from all the other Locked On hosts. That's it for me. I'll see you later. Well, that wraps us up. Thanks to Josh. Thanks to Mike Schmitz. Thanks to all the Locked On Podcast Network hosts. I hope you sincerely enjoyed our five-part series on the mock draft. Thursday's the draft. In the meantime, Chad Ford, Jonathan Gavoni, and Mike Schmitz all available for you on the Locked On Podcast Network on the Locked On NBA feed. The local feeds are rocking right now, so make sure you grab all the major news and the biggest stories from the local angles coming up here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks very much for tuning in. Five-star reviews are much appreciated for all the efforts everybody put in on any of our podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network.